actually didn't even answer your question, huh? Because you asked me, what is the transition part? <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Social Economist, the podcast which bursts the bubble of EU jargon and brings the development in European social entrepreneurship to you. I'm Toby Gaisley, the policy leader at Euclid Network, and on today's episode we're going to be talking about the transition pathway. Transition what, you ask yourself? And of course, this is a good question. We're going to be unpicking actually what this transition pathway is on this episode, where it's come from, what it means, and what is it going to mean for the future of this uh, industrial ecosystem of the social economy. To help me do this, I've been speaking to Carol van der Porter from European Commission DG Grow, uh, Victor Messiger from Social Economy Europe, and of course today I'm joined by my dear colleagues Linda Schmidt and our producer and editor Jan Kishovara. This is our first episode, so uh, I take this very short uh, opportunity to say we're Euclid Network, the European Social Enterprise Network. We're an organization bringing together national organizations for social entrepreneurship across Europe, trying to give them a voice at the European level, but also, and this is really important for this podcast, trying to explain what is actually going on in Brussels, what is actually going on with the European Commission and all these uh, complicated words and difficult things to get your head around. We've had the pleasure of catching up with a couple of people in Brussels, um, so, uh, Carol from the Commission and Victor from Social Economy Europe. Uh, I had a quick discussion with both of them about what is this transition pathway, where is it coming from, where is it going? And... Uh, we're going to take it apart a bit, um, Linda and I sitting here, uh, to try and make it so you can easily understand it and make sure that this policy vision uh, is something which is accessible, understandable, and perhaps maybe even interesting. Thanks very much for joining us this morning, Carol. Um, it's very nice to, to have you here. Uh, I, th I think um, there's no better person to ask this question to than, than you, of course, which is... Uh, I think a challenge as well as a question, but in one sentence, <laughs> what what is the <laughs> transition you're pathway? Not, <laughs> then, then I'm not <laughs> the right person. I'm afraid. No, I I will I will try to do. It's an uh, as we call it in one sentence, an uh, an uh, the composition of an actionable plan to support and drive the green and digital transition for social economy and proximity uh, businesses. What the hell is the transition pathways, which is a complicated question. Uh, I have always said the same. It's a strategic plan of uh, uh, how the social economy uh, should look like in 2030, how the, so the social economy can adapt and lead uh, the green and digital transition. Um, so basically analyzing the challenges, the opportunities, the strengths of the social economy, and there is a lot in terms of innovation uh, in the digital side, in the green side, and in other sides. I mean, in terms of inclusion, uh, in terms of social cohesion of resilience, and trying to have a roadmap, uh, a 2030 agenda of what the hell do we need to know uh, to make our dreams go come true. Uh, to grow and to go to go from niche, uh, uh, as the OECD said, from the margins to the mainstream, to growing, which is also the objective of the Social Economy Action Plan. So to shut up now, before shutting up, uh, the transition pathways is one of the actions of the Social Economy Action Plan, is the Social Economy Action Plan in motion. So, of course, we talk about the transition pathway, but this is like an iceberg. You're only seeing the top. And behind that, of course, is the 
big, big majority of this, uh, this huge mass, which is, of course, starting from a long time ago. We could go back to 2011 with the Social mm. Business Initiative, which then uh, last year was very much linked to the Social Economy Action Plan launch, which also built, of course, on the previous Startup and Scale-Up Initiative. Mm-hmm. It built on the EU Green Deal. Uh, it was also mentioned the European Industrial Strategy, which was then updated in 2021 to the updated European Industrial Strategy. There's also uh, other things going along the sides, you know, the social taxonomy, the sustainability taxonomy, the corporate sustainability reporting directive. There's a lot of momentum and there's a lot of stuff going on. So the transition pathway is one piece in this uh, ever-expanding puzzle. You've been working on a project on digitalization. Yes, exactly. One of the big things uh, in the transition pathway. Tell me a little bit about it. We started a project called EU Through Digital, as you already mentioned, uh, which really aimed at supporting social enterprises on the ground in Europe to um, be able to keep creating impact during the COVID-19 pandemic, because what we've seen was that um, social entrepreneurs were not equipped and didn't have the digital skills that were needed to really keep operating. Um, So this project, which you can also learn about on our designated website, um, developed um, deliverables that really support in a practical manner um, social enterprises to to go digital, to stay digital, and to also um, set up their own digital strategy to find out what is needed internally to really strategize in the long term. Um, the outputs I will tell you more about, I think, in the episode on digitalization, right? But um, what we also saw now, like we already like these these deliverables and t- tools are out there now. We are starting to promote them. We see that social entrepreneurs are picking them up and that they're also um, currently referenced as best practices. So this is really exciting. But we're also already looking a bit more into the future because what we've seen during the COVID-19 pandemic, it was a lot about adaptation and how to very quickly move. What we now see is a lot around digital leadership, how to meaningfully go digital. What does it mean to have to have social impact uh, and uh, operate digitally. We also see that a lot of funding is still needed to um, to digitalize operations internally, which very often, you know, your funding is very project-based. So um, we still already, we're currently actually with the project consortium really in the beginning of looking into uh, what is still needed and how we can use that. And I think the transition pathway um, comes at a very good time for that. We can also hear now a little bit more from my conversation with Victor. What what is a green uh, a green social enterprise or a social enterprise who wants to become a digital social yeah. enterprise look like? Well, I mean, I think that you have some answers to that yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I mean, I maybe I maybe will come with some examples both in digital and green, and then I will be very happy if you compliment Toby because you have a great a great deal of expertise on this. Um, so I mean, you have some social economy enterprises which are the transition themselves, which have the transition in their DNA. Uh, that will be a renewable energy cooperative. Mm-hmm. So citizens producing and consuming their own energy and uh, reinvesting all the profits in local development. That Those companies, and they are, uh, I think, that more than 1,200 associated to rescoop.eu, uh, many more out mm-hmm. there, and many more uh, energy renewable energy communities, all of them not for profit or based on limited profitability, all of them reinvesting any profits in local development, all of them uh, providing renewable energy, which is more affordable than other companies, and all of them 
doing such a revolution in the energy system, passing from a centralized system with some very big points of production to a decentralized system in which citizens are uh, driving the energy transition uh, towards green sources. Uh, so that's an enterprise that is an enterprise of the transition, is driving the transition. By the way, it's not new. That was created in Germany in the 80s as a response to the Chernobyl crisis, uh, the first renewable energy cooperatives and communities. Uh, and same goes in Denmark uh, with, with uh, wine mills and so on, the community wanting to push uh, for a different uh, energy system. Uh, social economic company, which is in the middle of the transition, in the belly of the beast, is a platform cooperative. Uh, so some, let's say, delivery workers uh, working for a platform that are tired of their working conditions and decide to own themselves uh, the platform, to create themselves the platform and have better working conditions to put the platform at their service and not themselves at the service of the platform. That will be an enter a social economy enterprise in the best, uh, in the belly of the beast, sorry. Uh, but then any social economy company, uh, the Oxfam shop around the corner, uh, uh, which is also, by the way, very much aligned because they are selling bioproducts, uh, the work integration social enterprise, uh, many of them working in the circular economy, uh, the healthcare mutual providing healthcare to you and me who are uh, living in Belgium. Uh, whatever, your cooperative bank, which is investing, your ethical and alternative bank, which is making some, some big investment decisions. Uh, the whole social economy is involved in the transitions because everything is, change, is changing. Europe is involved in the transition. The industrial enterprise making engines, making components for cars. And there are some social economy enterprise active in, in that. Cars by 2030, as you know, uh, will, not be, uh, will not be combustion, co combustion cars mm. anymore. Uh, so, I mean, everything is changing. Every social economy enterprise needs to change to its own advantage. I see. Well, it's good to hear they're making social enterprise cars because this has always been a very uh, good idea of mine to make a social enterprise car. But okay, fine. They beat me to it. Um, and then, yeah. You I, should become an entrepreneur, Toby. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can put some capital. I'm poor, but uh, <laughs> I will look at it. And uh, so, I mean, let's do it. It's a social enterprise uh, traditional story starting with nothing and ending up with not so much at the end of it either. So, <laughs> <laughs> but a beautiful, but I mean, but a... It's a beautiful story. But no, yeah. great. And I, I think uh, it's also one of these sort of uh, conversations everybody working in this space always talks about is uh, starting our own social enterprise. But I wait and see where we end up in 10 years. Maybe we'll have a green and digital enterprise. I think Victor captured very well that uh, 2030 is the big year where everything is looking towards and where it's really going to change. That's also where the transition pathway is looking towards and the social economy action plan. And he also really well captures a huge number of different business models in the social economy. It's a huge, uh, hugely diverse ecosystem where actually the business is working across all these different areas. He talked about platform cooperatives. He also talked about renewable energy uh, cooperatives and things like this. Uh, I know in Spain there's examples of platform cooperatives in working in delivery uh, of, serve, of, um, of, of things. Um, and yes, I think Victor uh, did a very good job of highlighting the diversity of this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what Victor described well, right, is that um, social enterprises, social economies set is so diverse, right, that they are able to work across so many different topics and can respond to so many different challenges that we need to start tackling to really, yeah, achieve 
the 2030 agenda, right? Which is already like really hard to achieve because we're just not really on track. So we do really need to need to support social economy actors to be a part of this because they can actually really make this a reality. And I think what's also interesting was um, what you guys just joked about, right? Um, this not making money aspect. It I think that's of course the core of it, right? Because we want to measure um, measure uh the impact that you like that social entrepreneurs social economy organizations do is mainly uh social impact environmental impact you know not financial um like gain um but i also think this refers to also maybe always the common challenge of uh, funding and scaling uh, your impact yeah no but i you you count you cover very well but you're right uh it's bigger than the social economy it's something which affects all areas of the economy and actually all of society as yeah. well it's not just about oh this is a plan for the social economy no it's it is a plan for the future of the european ecosystem industrial ecosystem and about how we actually reach these objectives for 2030 and uh, in doing this uh, transition pathway the commission has been very keen to include the stakeholders and include all these different voices in the development of this plan and I was very happy to talk to Victor also about how this plan was developed, how it came to be, and uh, what the involvement of these different stakeholders has been. The Social Economy Action Plan was launched, and in parallel to it, two uh, commission uh, staff documents were launched. Horrible name, commission staff document. <laughs> Uh, that uh, that it's difficult to understand, to sell, whatever. It sounds boring. Uh, one of the commission staff working documents was on the transition pathway for social economy and proximity ecosystem. Uh, the idea, again, was to launch a co-construction process, a participatory process to identify where the social economy is right now in terms of transitions, where do we want to be, what do we need to be there. Uh, a consultation was held uh, by the end of February 2022. Uh, I think that all of us, Social Economy Europe, Euclid Network, the uh, uh, SS didn't, but uh, uh, they did it through us. Uh, Eurixa, we replied to that consultation alongside with a total of 80 respondents uh, from across the European Union. That was the basis to facilitate uh, the co-construction process through five workshops organized directly uh, by the consortium, uh, plus some uh, meetings, workshops, uh, consultation meetings organized directly by the European Commission uh, through its own means. And now we are almost there uh, to present the final result of all that, uh, which is the addition of what this consortium was able to find of our own thoughts, yeah. <laughs> of our own strategic uh, approach, and also of all the information of many social economy stakeholders that we have collected. And um, yeah, on my last question to do with a sort of a creation process of uh, the transition pathway, um, which was a question actually came up when I was talking to Victor about the staff working document. What is a staff working document? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What um, is this whole thing? I didn't, I didn't even mention this. Huh? So, in, um, I have to take a few steps back. Um, in in such a case, um, currently the Commission has still the ambition to design a transition pathway for all the 14 uh, industrial ecosystems. Um, what might be very surprising for you is that social economy and proximity is the second one 
um, in matter of, let's be honest, uh, industrial priorities, um, it's not a very logic position, I would say. Uh, so um, we, we have to be modest. It's a very unique and important sector. But um, if you see which other sectors, for example, tourism was the absolute priority because it was the most disrupted one. Of course, this is also in terms of political sensitiveness uh, of certain ecosystems, which are again very much affected today, uh, such as uh, energy intensive industries, uh, construction. Um, those, constru those transition pathways are all in the make, but they are particularly affected by very serious um, uh, let's say uh, uh, effects from uh, the energy prices and I'm not saying this is not effect for social economy because if you will read the transition pathway we very much focus on, on those disruptions but of course for energy intensive industries um, the, the political sensitiveness is of course uh, of, of much relevance um, so uh, to come back where, where I started we are the second one and the commission has the intention to do this for all the industrial ecosystems so it's currently running many in parallel many co-creation processes like we had but to start a co-creation process you have to to set the, the, the scene uh, to give a frame for the discussion to make actually an opening offer and you should see it a bit like that so the commission presented a document last year um, as an annex to the social economy action plan which is, is sorry which is actually the basis of everything that we do uh, in the next uh, 10 years on, on social economy so also this industrial strategy is very much linked to that when it comes to social economy so we have published the social economy action plan but of course this is a communication it's it's a very uh, uh, let's say short document in terms of content if you look for example the elements that are listed there on the green and digital transition I think it's 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 one page or so, um, which is of course important because there are so many other things, and this is uh, yeah, communication is supposed to to act like that. Um, we have announced that with the presentation of the social economy action plan, we want to go deeper, particularly on this green and digital transition, because we had also a policy hook to do so with the industrial strategy. Imagine. Just think, uh, without the industrial strategy, without the, the recognition of the 14 industrial ecosystems and social economy as such, this would have been way more difficult, not to say maybe not even possible, to make this in-depth analysis to go very much focused on the, the green and digital transition. And I think sometimes the commission is also accused that in such a communication as the, the SEAP, uh, Social Economy Action Plan, uh, it's it's not granular, huh? so <laughs> and that is one of yeah that is one of the the the, the ways how in certain domains and there are definitely other um, uh, construction sites uh, uh, such as the regulatory frameworks uh, such as state aid etc which are completely out of scope uh, when we are discussing the trans transition there are of course always links but uh, um, so so therefore this this tough working document was the opening offer from the commission how shall we approach this how shall we discuss this um, and in this tough working document which yeah the name said itself it's designed by the staff uh, of the commission it's a working document uh, so it invites also um, to continue further activities on a certain uh, field a certain topic um, so this is what the document is supposed to so it's actually invited stakeholders to give their opinion on a set of scenarios and if you will read this uh, staff working document you will see that we have for put forward certain scenarios for the green and digital transition 
if you would go to the transition pathway, there is actually a very nice um, overview at the end in the annexes, which is usually not read by anyone, but I can still recommend it because that's, that shows you very much the, the, the process from the topics identified the staff working document to the topics identified in the survey because we did an online survey and how that ended up in the identification of topics of discussion for the workshops and how this ended in the final action areas that you will find in the transition pathway. Um, so I, I think it's a very interesting flow uh, of, of teams. Sometimes it's of course repackaging. And huh? so <laughs> let's be let's be honest. Um, it's, it's, it's just another way of approaching the same topic, but there are also some quite specific elements added to that um, process. So for example, and Toby, we together have worked a lot on the, the data topics, which is, to, to my surprise, something that was very much um, approached um, in depth uh, during the discussion. So we we went very intense on, on that, uh, which you would maybe not have thought about um, before. So um, just to give you one example. So that's the, the way from the staff working document over the survey workshop to the final uh, transition. So yeah, this was the second transition pathway launched by the commission. Uh, the first one was obviously tourism. Mm -hmm. uh, not obviously, perhaps uh, for most people listening, uh, but uh, it, it the first one was tourism. The second one is the social economy. Not logical. Yes, exactly. Like Kara said, this might have been not the most obvious ecosystem to develop a transition pathway for. But I think, and I like to hope, right, that maybe the proximity and social economy was chosen uh, and given this focus because of, of course, the social economy action plan that, that did that already is this recognized role for the sector to lead us to, um, to a more circular, green and more socially just economy, which we need so urgently, right? So maybe this is exactly this momentum we need right now. Yeah, and exactly. It's these enterprises and these uh, entrepreneurs who are really driving this movement towards this new, different kind of economy. No, but what I think Carol actually very well did was summarize and um, and highlight that the commission is developing uh, things very much in line with the transition pathway, highlighting where there's synergies, where uh, funding can come from, where this transition can actually be driven from. So that's very important. And I think coming also from this transition pathway staff working document, storage economy action plan, it's very well summarized. It was a very extensive process, the online consultation, the stakeholder workshops, other groups of uh, stakeholders, not necessarily from the social economy directly, but around the commission itself, different people working on different topics to finally come to this end result. Linda, you uh, were involved somewhat in the consultation process through the, the workshops. How would you summarize the workshop uh, briefly? Um, really interesting because, of course, it brought um, people with quite some different backgrounds, experiences and standpoints together to really start mapping of what is needed, right, from different angles, what action is needed more at a um, national level or policy level, what's more needed on the ground because the mix of participants, um, yeah, was really well, I think, um, set up. Um, I think it was really interesting to to learn from the people on the ground. And I think that really fed into it because the I have been not really much involved, but from what I have been involved with was really that we took um, every comment, every data into the document and really to see, okay, how can solutions look like? What um, doubles, of course, cross-sectorial, but also what um, are some actions that are 
yeah priority for the sector yeah exactly and actually what's really interesting is in the final transition pathway you can really see that this content and this this contribution was reflected uh, so uh, in the transition pathway there's a lot of talk about sandboxing testing ideas which mm. is something that stakeholders really highlighted as there's a lack of opportunity to to engage in these projects yeah and we see now i mean this morning we just had the the webinar on the greening call right that's out that's really there to implement the transition pathway i know i'm taking a leap now but what we saw in our network is that they're really excited about this call because it it um it echoes what they need right so it's very exciting absolutely mm -hmm. and actually this brings on to one of the questions i asked both to carol but also to victor who uh, has a very strong voice on uh, what social social entrepreneur organizations and social economy organizations need on the ground which is what does this actually mean for social enterprises for social economy organizations mm. outside of the brussels bubble And then yes, so it's it's here. It's uh, it's quite an achievement. It's been a long process. It's all been very well thought through and and packaged up nicely in a new document. But what does it actually mean if, if you're a social enterprise? What is yeah, it going of course, to, uh, I, I can imagine now huh? because the, the 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 impact in in real terms is is still yeah very much in in the commission's uh, office or in the Brussels bubble um, by extension. So I. We, we we firmly recognize that but first of all you have to listen to the stakeholders um and there was for the action plan there was a public consultation but that was on the whole development of the social economy so then we did this work specifically on the green and digital transition um and as i i introduced uh, not introduced but as i explained it identifies also the specific role that different actors can play um if we focus on the role of the commission specifically, you will notice that in the overview of the action boxes, there is always identified when the commission is present, which um, specific program or initiative um, can be of relevance to that certain action to um, give support from the commission's um, uh, point of view. Uh, to give you a very uh, um, concrete um, example is, uh, one one challenge identified is that there's a lot of capacity building needed um, to drive this green transition. Uh, uh, for example, in terms of um, certification, uh, standardization, how do you obtain certain uh, ISO uh, certifications, etc., that can prove also your um, quality, that is a quality insurance, and in, for example, in terms of sustainability, which was something very much discussed in the workshops, that one challenge is that for social economy organizations, this is or not even known, um, which might be a surprise, but some some explain this this pretty uh, intangible in pretty tangible words. Um, it's too costly, or they don't see the not known is maybe exaggerated, but they don't see the the added value in their particular um, business or organizational uh, form. So that means that there is a lot of capacity building needed uh, to make uh, businesses and business leaders especially aware about the potential added value um, of such certification, but also uh, then, then we are uh, talking about quality certification, but also to have um, more uh, soft labels promoting their business conduct, for example, in circular economy, for example, in um, um, low uh, carbon, uh, uh, usage or, or pollution or zero uh, carbon footprint of a business, etc. So how they can 
um, explain this to, to their customers, to their peers, to their stakeholders. Um, but there is a lot of work to do. Um, and one particular element that was also present, and I go a bit more deeper in this action because uh, you asked me for, for what can this bring for the stakeholder, is, is that um, it came to the service that many, and there I need to be careful because it's not an accusation, but it's just a, 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 a scarcity of resources that, for example, intermediary organizations, social economy support organizations, representatives are not always capable or geared to support their members, their businesses they um, have in their portfolio in such transitions, in such um, certifications, in such uh, type of, of labels. So it's not only a matter of supporting the individual uh, stakeholder because the stretch to between the commission and an individual enterprise is of course always uh, very long certainly in decentralized and, and um, scattered ecosystems like proximity and social economy but it's also uh, as a matter of fact important to to support intermediate organizations to make them stronger to uh, to prepare them to support also on 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 their behalf um, their businesses so those are one of the elements oh, it's not uh, rocket science, but but uh, for example, related to obtaining a certain certification, um, promoting standardization also between companies, etc., um, is is one element. Um, what is the commission doing then uh, on this? Uh, and there I will end my my example is uh, and and that is actually with the trend with the launch of the transition pathway. We have used the inputs of the workshop to write a first call that wants to support this green transition. And it can, for example, focus on certification and standardization, but not, not only. Huh? So it's a, a broad possibility of, of building capacity within uh, support organizations uh, for social economy to drive and to support this green transition. Um, this call is open uh, currently, uh, by the way, so it, it looks for um, exchange of uh, practices to support in terms of capacity, a specific reach out to individual SMEs um, as well. So it's very important that, that, that you can prove that you will use also um, uh, the activities to support individual SMEs. And this call is currently open. And that is one of the ways how we want to support the capacity within the social economy when it's come to this green transition. Um, there are elements uh, possible on infrastructure, circularity, etc. But this is one of the ways um, that we are currently uh, active. For you, as a, as the director of Social Economy Europe, what is, what is it that you hope to see from other actors in the sector, whether that be support organisations or enterprises themselves or individuals? And what is it that you're also thinking you can do? To, yep. to see this transition. So again, I think that uh, we need to have, uh, first of all, objectives. Uh, we truly need to dream. And in that, the commission is helping because it's pushing out, it's pushing us out of our comfort zone. It's obliging us to uh, build alliances. It's obliging us to think in a systemic way, in a strategic way through the transition pathways. So for you and me, uh, the transition pathways is an interesting exercise. Uh, we are taking some, we, we have put in quite a lot of effort, but we are also <laughs> taking something out of it uh, mm. uh, and something in terms of where the hell are we going what the hell do we want to do in the next years um, so that's that's relevant what I said before is very important people it's not going to do things that they don't 
believe they should do. Uh, but sometimes also you have to put people out of their comfort zone. You have to push them to do things together. Let's uh, take the example that I was mentioning before of renewable energy. Uh, right now, that's systemic. Uh, by 2050, the European Commission is saying that uh, 50% of renewable energy will be in the hands of citizens. That's massive. 50% of all the renewable energy produced in Europe can be produced by citizens directly, uh, which means self-consumption, so people having a house and consuming their own energy, but also mean renewable energy cooperatives, but also means uh, uh, renewable energy communities. Um, so... All right. Right now, we have a lot of them uh, growing all over the European Union. Some of them are bigger, like Enercop in France. Others are smaller, mm. uh, like uh, 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 like mushrooms. Let's say growing all over the growing <laughs> all over the European Union. Could those companies do more together? They are actually already doing things together through riskop.eu. Huh? Mm. Uh, but could we have? Uh, uh, platforms at national level selling together that energy, attracting more uh, attracting more citizens. Could they share uh, services in terms of technical assistance, technical support to set that? Because you know, every time in a village of Europe, in a city of Europe, you want to set up uh, a renewable energy cooperative, it's a nightmare, mm. uh, an administrative nightmare. So what if? Uh, we have support structures. Uh, uh, I mean, combining combining the teachers of uh, some of those uh, uh, renewable energy cooperatives to others that want to create new ones, right? Sharing services. Uh, same goes in the care economy. In care, uh, what if uh, we cooperate uh, to decide what is our model for the future? How do we use digitalization to offer a better care service in a time of demographic change, in a time of, in which European uh, Union population mm -hmm. is becoming older? Uh, how do we use and which resources, public resources and private resources are scarce? And the cost of demographic change is enormous. Mm. How do we use technology to help us uh, to provide a better service and to provide better living conditions for these people, right? Uh, so this can be done in a systemic way. Mm. And for that, alliances are needed. That's what the transition pathways can uh, can trigger uh, through pledges and through alliances. I think that it's very important, again, to go out of our projects to building systemic projects. Mm. And from Social Economy Europe side, from Euclid side, we have to accompany that. Mm. We have to favor that. And then we have very concrete opportunities in which we can also deliver and do the revolution. And actually, sometimes we are even funded to do that. Uh, it is the case, in our case, we participate in the base project. Mm -hmm. uh, so the blueprint for that, for advanced skills in social economy. Uh, so we need to design, we need to actually identify and uh, pilot uh, uh, trainings for the future skills that will be needed in the social economy. So that's our job. We are paid to do that, delivering together with others, with many others, uh, delivering on that, identifying new skills and uh, creating a nice pilot that can be uh, used by everybody in the European Union. And we also have, by the way, the, the Skills Alliance for Social Economy and Proximity, in which I think Euclid is part of it mm -hmm. and we co-lead with EVPA and we are more than 90 members. Uh, let's invite as much people as possible to join that. That's like the transition po uh, pathways. Let's be frank about it. Maybe the commission will not like it. That's a boat uh, that has departed. No one knows exactly where it's going, uh, but that depends on us. Mm. And it can go something somewhere cool if we also link it to the base project that I was mentioning before, to the BYs and to others that you might have also. Do you like the idea of a boat sailing off into the, oh, into a sunset? Definitely, definitely, and uh, <laughs> because uh, that always um, 
uh, depicts is like it's it's a it's a it's an imagery for hope, right? <laughs> or or at the end of the movie, like finally everything is going well. <laughs> Everything, everything's going well. You heard it here first, uh, Linda. Very positive outlook, I see. Yes, and I think Victor did a great um, job in summarizing um, the impact in different sectors, social economy organizations uh, are playing a vital role in, and I think we can see the same, of course, happening for social enterprises. After the, the, listening to these interviews, Linda, I'm looking at you, I feel like there's a few questions still unanswered. Yes, so I think what we learned right now really is the potential and the vision of the transition pathway. And the different work social economy organizations and actors are really doing in driving that transition, the twin transition. Um, I'm wondering a bit now, what are the concrete next steps here? Um, what is in for it for our members, for example, that are maybe listening in right now, social enterprise support organizations? What does it mean to them? How do we take this um, European document to the ground, to, um, to the member states, but also how do we bring this to the social entrepreneurs? Really good questions. So I think uh, what we should really remember is that this is the beginning. As Victor said, it's the, the boat is departed. Okay, <laughs> now we're sailing. And as part of this sailing trip, we're, the commission is asking for pledges. What on earth does that mean? They're not pledge asking you to pledge for your loyalty to the European Commission. <laughs> um, don't worry, it's about pledging what you can do or what your organization can do to actually achieve this transition pathway, to make it a reality, to take it from a long, uh, interesting, but long document with full of jargon and EU bubble language to actually on the ground, making your social enterprise greener, to actually embracing digital skills, to actually making this transition happen. They talk about smart pledges. And I mean, it's a great coincidence that what they want from these pledges happen to form a great acronym. Who would have guessed? Oh, the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about the pledges being uh, achievable, attainable, with a specific time uh, associated with them, about identifying the resources you need. So it's not just saying, okay, what is, what is it uh, that you can do? Oh, we're going to, uh, for example, at Euclid Network, we're going to uh, try and share more resources focusing on green and digital transition on our knowledge center. So we spread the good practices, so right? It's about, it's about what we can do. It's what you can do. It's about... And, and Toby, what, uh, if I'm now listening in, where can I submit my pledge? Well, that's a great question, Linda. Uh, we're going to share this in the show notes uh, where you can find a link to the call for pledges. It's an online survey from European Commission. And um, there you can find more information about what it is meant by these smart pledges and submit your pledges for your organization. And um, are they going to be shared somewhere? My pledges, for example, like I'm just asking some question now that could be possibly some questions for the listeners. Um, so I'm going to go to my, like back to my organization, my team, and I'm going to discuss now pledges um, for the transition pathway. Um, then we're going to submit them. What then? Are we going to be asked to, to tell how it's going in half a year? Or um, will that be shared with other organizations as an inspiration? Well, on the 26th of January, there's going to be a short session from the Commission updating everybody on the current call for pledges. I think also providing a bit more guidance about how to do pledges. On the 28th of February will be the cutoff for the first round of pledges. The Commission will then do a stock taking, seeing what's been pledged. 
and then uh, we'll try to follow up on these uh, in the future. Of course, this is not like a, a pledge which you are going to be held to and uh, persecuted if you don't meet. <laughs> yeah. So that's not what it's about. But having these pledges also uh, brings a great opportunity. Actually, Carol mentioned it in his conversation with us, which is that if organizations are pledging to do the same thing or things which are mutually uh, complementary, these pledges can be used to bring people together to actually accelerate this transition, facilitate cooperation and build partnerships, which are super important for this transition pathway. Oh, that's really amazing. Great. And um, if I'm not too sure what to pledge, is there anywhere also space right now? I can see what other pledged as a maybe good practice or an example, or is that at the moment closed off and will only be shared once um, the first call for pledges is closing? Uh, I don't know if you can access the current uh, pledges which have been provided maybe some organizations are sharing them however what i would recommend if you're not sure where you want to act uh, or what you think you can do it's to go to the transition pathway and look at those 14 action areas uh, which are highlighted seven for green seven for digital um, there's lots of things to do with skills partnerships uh, procurement anything you can think of which will help uh, drive forward this uh, twin transition What's probably um, also really important to say, Toby, before we're closing um, this very interesting podcast episode, is that, of course, the, the, the actions um, and objectives set out by the tradition pathway are not only going to like be a standalone action um, next to the pledges by social economy actors across Europe. These actions will also be um, yeah, complemented by EU, fund, like EU funding calls or calls for proposals that really fund the actions we need to implement the transition pathways. Absolutely. And I think Linda was just discussing, there's one on greening, there's one on digitalization, there's been one on uh, bi-social, uh, social procurement, um, now one on data collection. You know, there's uh, many different things going on to really make sure this comes to fruition. Yes. At the end of speaking with both Carol and Victor, I asked them actually what they were both listening to in their free time beyond their passionate interest for social economy. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> okay, I think that, that's actually the end of the questions I have on the transition pathway. But I, I have this one question at the end, which I think is uh, yeah, a bit more uh, humanizing as such. I don't know. Do you, do you like listening to podcasts, Carol? Um, I must admit, uh, I like it, but I rarely do it more more when i'm on holidays or traveling um but i will not exaggerate and, and they are mostly about history <laughs> you have a, a recommendation by chance for anyone who is interested oh, in a history podcast yeah but it's in dutch so mm. ah, we have very international fan base you know yeah that's why it's maybe not super relevant uh mm. um let me think what was uh recent good on yeah most are they are actually very very nice dutch um well you could uh, suggest a dutch uh, one uh, uh podcasts uh, on the on the french revolution for example i recently uh, had one but we, we have this um famous uh, flemish uh, writer who is very franco francophile as we as we say in dutch um, and he made makes a brilliant podcast about uh, the French uh, history, uh, not only the French Revolution but but way beyond. So uh, uh, that that is one of my my uh, uh, my biggest. It's not a, a major interest, but I was triggered by the um, by the podcast. 
and I had also a very good one, but I can't remember. Oh, I'm so bad in titles. Um, I'm also very much interested by the history of the Balkans. And there are also quite some good uh, podcasts uh, existing because it's, of course, a, a quite complex uh, uh, history and territory. Um, but I, I limit myself to the last uh, 200 years, let's say. So. Amazing. No, that's great. Well, uh, well, I'll, I'll find out what titles from you and then we could put them in the I will uh, send them to the you. Links. Because, yeah, <laughs> I, must, I must check because... Uh, no, that's great. It no. my mind. Thanks very much, uh, yeah, for talking to us about all of this uh, uh, and for good recommendations. Um, the Burgondiers, the Burgondiers. Burg okay, <laughs> that's that's the one in Dutch. Uh. <laughs> well, that's a complicated question. Uh, I, I am I am caught here. Um, well, I think that's Planet uh, Planet A uh, by Deutsche Welle. Uh, so the German public uh, television broadcaster uh, has a program on climate change and on solutions uh, for the green transition, which is Planet A. Uh, it's uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, there are there are a lot of videos about uh, highly interesting areas. Uh, it can be about uh, uh, solar energy, wind power, uh, wind power, wild, uh, sorry, uh, wind power. It can be about uh, using. Um, uh, uh, the cannabis plant to make textiles. Mm. Uh, so there is a lot there and highly interesting solutions. Bioagriculture, agroforestry, highly interesting, highly inspiring. And apart from that, I have my own, uh, I have my own obsession. Spot Save America is a great podcast. Mm, yeah, I know that one. Of course, we're going to share all of the links to these documents so you can find out more information. And we also warmly encourage you to reach out to us at Euclid Network. Uh, you can contact me at toby at euclidnetwork.eu. Um, you can also find out more from our website and our knowledge center about these initiatives. Uh, and of course, we hope that you'll be listening to the podcast and finding out more about all of these different things as we move forward throughout the year. Uh, so last but not least, I'd like to thank you all for listening and of course thanking especially uh, our guests for today's uh, podcast, which of course were Victor Menziger from Social Economy Europe and Carol van der Porte from the European Commission. Uh, I'm very happy that uh, Jan and Linda are still with me here and I'd like to thank them both as well. Uh, and I warmly encourage you to reach out to us uh, if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, if you have any feedback on this episode. Uh, our next episode will be focusing on the topic of women in social enterprise, a very important topic uh, which I think does not get enough uh, focus uh, and we're very happy to be bringing that in our second episode. Uh, thanks very much for listening. I'm Toby Gaisley. Goodbye.